1: Every horror movie to hit VOD, there are countless others that end up DOA. Development Hell is a podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korengut. I'm a filmmaker located in Toronto, Canada. Development Hell is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Today's episode is going to be All About Army of Darkness Part 2. So I'm going to be looking into all of the rumors over the years about there being a continuation to Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. Our guest today is Jason Jenkins. Jason is a writer for Bloody Disgusting, and he also has a podcast, which is called Scream Addicts. So please, please, please enjoy our episode, All About Army of Darkness, the Lost Sequel, featuring Jason Jenkins. Hi, Jason. Would you be able to give us like a quick introduction to who you are as a person?
0: Certainly. Yeah. So my name's Jason Jenkins. My nickname is Jinx, uh, likely due to my last name, but I'm also a bit of bad luck uh, from time to time, which is a shame. But, you know, it's a handle I've used since I was a teenager. I am a writer for Bloody Disgusting. I have a podcast called Screamatics, which has various offshoots. The main sort of Screamatics title is it's kind of simple. You know, I just invite on creatives in horror and ask them to choose a single horror movie that they love. And we talk about it at length. Uh, I have an offshoot called Foyerism where, oh, I don't know what you would call him. He's, he's kind of a B, C and Z grade film aficionado. Uh, I'm Scott Foy. He chooses some crazy obscure film that I've never seen. And, you know, we discuss that. And then there is, uh, Screamatics Hammer Pub, which finds myself and co-host Paul Farrell providing a running commentary for a Hammer horror film while having a drink or five. Although I've been uh, <laughs> I've been teetotaling for you know the podcast recently, but it's still a pub.
1: Yeah, I was, go- I was scrolling through your articles for Phantom Limbs, and yes, I did come across. The first one, the Candyman one, which is interesting because I covered a Candyman sequel recently. And I also saw, I think it may have been your most recent column, which was on a possible third House on Haunted Hill. Would it have taken place like literally after canon of Return to House on Haunted Hill? No, no, no. It's Well, I
0: think both in a way. You know, um, of course, at the end of the previous film, Return, that we actually got, you know, the... It's said that the evil in the house actually comes from this, uh, you know, strange Baphomet idol. And uh, at the end of the movie, mm. the idol is sort of flushed, you know, from the home into the was it like the sewer system? I think something like that. And the uh, there's sort of that foreboding final shot of it racing towards a big city in the distance. And so uh, I think the third film was going to pick up with that idea. Presumably, the idol was going to get lodged beneath a hospital. Uh, one of the characters in a Halloween 2 sort of way was going to wind up at that hospital to get their wounds tended to, and then the evil Dr. Bannickett and all of his undead, or rather quite dead and very ghostly Mm -hmm. um, patients were going to pop up in the hospital and presumably uh, hijinks would have ensued.
1: Bring it back. My favorite franchise (laughs) I think a lot of like 2000 kids like can't get enough of the Dark Castle output, and that includes me so
0: i can't get get enough of it i love to revisit it you know it's funny at the time i remember reading you know on horror movie message boards and Uh certainly in the pages of fango you know there was you were never wanting for a critic to sling a stone at a dark castle film everybody seemed to dislike haunted hill everyone hated 13 ghosts you know all those movies got savaged and you know what i loved every one of them maybe not gothica so much but i appreciate what they were going for And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. been very nice to see the current generation sort of coming around on those movies and sort of you know, uh, pay homage to them and look back on them lovingly, and it's amazing that Scream Factory is sort of leading the charge on all of these yes. free visits with those amazing collectors edition Blu-rays. So, so beautiful! Um, like, who knew back. Ghost Ship
1: was going to get this much respect today as <laughs> and, it deserves,
0: and it deserves it absolutely, one hundred percent. I uh, I love even if it's just that scene. Them. Definitely, that scene is a standout. That scene is arguably the best scene of horror that Dark Castle ever <laughs> did. Period. But uh, you Possibly. know, the rest of the movie, I think, is. Uh, Quite a lot of fun too. And I just love the idea. You know, we don't really get movies like that anymore where you get a studio supported, say, 15-20 million dollar mid-range horror film where you have a you know an Oscar winner who's brought on in a supporting role. Oh, in 13 Ghosts, it was uh, F. Murray Abraham. I don't know that Gabriel Byrne ever won an Oscar, but damn it, he should have. You know, I, I, by that point, I think they were just kind of going for a recognizable name. And I love that it was kind of the, uh, the producers behind the Dark Castle line. They had previously come off of HBO's Tales from the Crypt. And it seemed like it was that sort of setup where you could invite on a star to just come in and have fun and shoot a little scenery and do up a production in such a way that it felt like prestige horror but at the same time, you can have fun and munch on some popcorn while laughing, cackling, and screaming all at once. you know. And I miss that. I don't feel like we mm. get that nearly enough these days, if really at all.
1: Yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's sort of like a fun but also sincere horror. And I don't know if we get both at the same time so often anymore.
0: Yes, it's just something unapologetic. There's nothing wrong with it. And here's the thing. I absolutely adore you know, the, the, you know, the more A24 style horror films, you know, I do love the deadly serious horror films, you know, obviously. Um, but it seems like, and I do adore the movie, but it seems like post grind house, there was this feeling that somewhere in there, you kind of had to apologize to audiences if you were making them laugh or if they were hooting and hollering along with, it or just having fun, you know? And I felt like, totally i feel like you know that can go ahead i i like that you know that's fun certainly Mm -hmm. but can we put that to bed for a bit now and go back to making earnest but fun movies that are very unapologetic
1: well speaking of horror comedies this is where we're going today Uh, uh, uh. which is hilarious but i don't want to go there just yet because next for you because you're my development health friend i was wondering do you have any favorite like canceled horror projects Because I ask this to people all the time, and they're always like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I guess not everyone in the world has favorite canceled horror movies. (laughs) But because you're always, you know, in that niche, I was wondering, do you have any that you're sitting on?
0: That is a great question. I have, you know, I have a couple of white whales that I'm sort of uh, constantly chasing with Phantom (laughs) Limbs. But, you know, I got to say, out of all of the... Movies that I wish could have been made out of all the movies that I've loved writing about, in fact, because I got to do it uh, last fall. Weirdly enough, Halloween 6 was the one that kind of most fascinated me, specifically the one that was uh, tied to Tarantino and Scott Spiegel. Just because I'm a Tarantino nerd, mainly Mm -hmm. because, you know, that was one of the first sort of unmade movies that I ever heard about, you know, back in the nineties uh, when I was a Fango kid, you know, old Fango uh, original mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was reading that magazine, one of the first issues that I ever picked up talked about the fact that the Halloween 6 that we got was not the Halloween 6 that was planned. And in fact, there was going to be a Quentin Tarantino produced version. Now, as a guy who was just coming off of like Pulp Fiction and From Dusk Till Dawn, I was a huge fan of those. And I thought, my God, what could he have done with Michael Myers? And there have been all these stories floating around over the years. You know, he hasn't talked about it much. He did this great interview last year with Michael Rothman. uh, And he talked about it a little bit, but there was of a gray area as to what exactly was going to happen there was he going to write it was he only going to produce it was he going to direct it possibly you know what what was scott spiegel you know was he a co-writer was he going to direct who knows um, but actually I was fortunate enough last, uh, Halloween to be able to speak to Scott Spiegel at length and he really sort of ironed out the timeline of that film's development. And he really, you know, he was great about providing some insight into what his take was going to be. You know, he in fact was going to write and direct and Tarantino was going to produce and perhaps come on and, you know, write in some fashion too. But unfortunately, you know, you, <laughs> you had a bit of gold that was, uh, fumbled right back into the river with the Weinsteins being ahead of the project so it never came to be and we got what we got and you know i i dig both versions what halloween 6 wound up being but that is probably the the main one when i think of unmade movie i kind of wish that we had gotten and i'd like to think that there's an alternate version where we do have a quentin tarantino presents halloween 6
1: Wow, what a good answer. I could clap. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, so there's so many incredible, uh, bizarre, unmade Halloween movies. And I'm going to tackle one of them for my next episode. Oh, nice. But I, 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 I never actually came across that much information on the Tarantino version. It's always, like, whispered about. So I'm excited to read your article and include it in our show notes. There is an article, right? This is what you're referring to? Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. Last October, I did a... Uh, A series of four, well, actually one of being a series of five Halloween
1: series-related articles to sort of celebrate spooky season. An unending depth to the unmade Halloween sequels. And they have some incredible names, as I'm sure you're aware of. Like Halloween 3000, that's my favorite one. Um, MichaelMyers.com, also good
0: oh my god michael myers i that was that too far astray from what we got with halloween no no
1: in fact that was um what we got was an evolution of michaelmyers.com and michaelmyers.com a real website a photographer check him out um because i I always have i always write it out and then it like accidentally hyperlinks and i am always on michaelmyers.com it's very funny
0: there is a great uh, book that came out at around the same time last fall. It was uh, it was strange that the book came out right in the middle of my run of Phantom Limbs. You know, there was a bit of crossover. But mm-hmm. fortunately, I don't think either one of us really wound up repeating that much info. But there is a book called uh, Oh, ah, damn it, um, Taking Shape Two. Thank you, Taking Shape <laughs> Two, about all the
1: uh, you know. I mean, it is the size of a
0: phone book,
1: and it covers at length. all Oh, is it? I'm, I don't have it yet, but I cannot wait to buy it. I've I've, like, messaged, I don't know his name, the author a couple of times.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, Um, It is definitely worth picking up. There are so many, there's so much insight into so many movies that, you know, some of them you've heard about, but there are so many that I had no idea existed. There was uh, one in particular, uh, penned by Scott Malam, who was going to do one for Platinum Dunes, that... Oh. is maybe the most fascinating take on what a remake of that story could be uh it's from the writer of uh, mother's day and uh, a couple of other things i think he was just hired to do something fairly major recently but if you get the chance to read that one and well actually the entire book definitely
1: worth it was that halloween asylum or am i just um no no here? i think halloween
0: asylum was was that stephen hutchinson i think uh the scott malam one was um Actually, I don't know that it was called anything other than Halloween. But when you get to it in the book, it is the Platinum Dunes version, and they talk about it's the one with the um, the yacht in it, and that's all I'll say. And you wouldn't okay. imagine that a yacht. I, I'll would, remember that. I'll remember that. I, I wouldn't figure into um, it. And again, I don't know that that would necessarily work in the movie the way it is as a setting. But there is, let me just without spoiling it for you, I would uh-huh. just say that there is an aspect of Michael Myers in the story that we have never quite seen before. And how he chooses to tease that out is just kind of fascinating.
1: Cool. Well, I'm absolutely addicted to what you're talking about. I cannot (laughs) wait to find out. I can't wait for Halloween, as always. Are you watching anything spooky lately? Um, you know, it's funny. Just earlier today, I finally caught up on Creepshow on Shudder, which, uh... You know, oh, think... cool. Me too. Did you <laughs> okay, wasn't the new episode a lot of fun? I, uh... Okay, I might not have seen the brand new one, but I've seen, like, the first
0: two. Is there more than that? Yeah, well, I think the third episode came out... T- wasn't today. It was a couple of days ago now. But, um, it's the one that opens with, uh, I think the first tale is kind of a sci-fi horror tale directed by Joe Lynch and starring Ryan Quanton. And then the second one was a oh, hot. really, okay, cool. really fun, um, sort of, oh, I don't want to spoil it, I'll just say it's a high school set, kind of a horror comedy uh, with Molly Ringwald in kind of a supporting role. And
1: Oh my god, they're having so much fun over there. Uh, I'm so uh, jealous of these people living their best lives. It, it really is. God you know, I gotta, I gotta say, I don't know about you, uh,
0: but I maybe wasn't the biggest fan of the first season even if i appreciated what they were going for but this second season i think is all around just much
1: much stronger uh, yeah it is i agree with you totally i was having it on in the background because as you were saying i like wasn't too excited about it but i'm grateful that it exists and i had the ali larder one segment on in the background so much fun and i think that one was directed by axel carolyn well i was just listening to it working And then I was like, okay, I gotta start watching this. This sounds bonks, and it (laughs) was, it really was. So I gotta start paying attention to season two because it's clearly it's. Oh yeah, and there was one. I think it's the same episode where they have like a children's show, like like Evil Dead crossover. Absolutely, so good.
0: Yeah, I love that. I almost wish that they hadn't gone the route that they did by, you know, there's almost a meta approach with that installment where, uh, you know, Ted Raimi is playing Ted Raimi, you know, and it's like, I almost wish they hadn't done that, and they just somehow, some way, had made it an actual extension to the Evil Dead franchise. It would have been
1: so much fun. It would have been fun. Clearly, they were allowed. (laughs) Clearly, they were allowed to do what they were doing, so that would have been really fun. I agree. Yeah, when I saw him there, and I was like, what? going on so yeah i need to pay a bit better attention to this season um that's a really good answer um my answer because i'm asking myself too <laughs> is i revisited wishmaster recently i rewatched wishmaster once every two years or so and i never regret it i'll have to be honest with you it's just one of those movies that i can't get enough of it's so, so much fun you know it goes
0: back to what we were talking about with uh in a dark castle there is another movie that had a pretty <laughs> healthy budget it had a theatrical release totally had a healthy budget Yeah, you know, and speaking of ramey yeah oh my god yeah yeah and you know that felt like almost I, I, i've heard over the course of the past well what's it been like a decade since the uh, inciting movie came out but when the expendables came out I remember, oh, yeah. you know, so many movies wanting to do, like, an Expendables of Horror. Why can't we bring together uh-huh. all the actors that we know? And it's like, ah, they already kind of did that They in did.
1: They did. They truly did. Although Kane Hodder's death uh, needs justice. I <laughs> just, what was that? Maybe it looked better in 1997. Um, it feels like the CGI from the Langoliers miniseries. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. <laughs> Which, you know what? Why am I making fun of it? I appreciate everything about it. Um, People love to talk about how gay uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is, obviously. It's like a cliche at this point. We don't talk about how gay Wishmaster 2 is. And anyone that's out there that hasn't seen it, I really, I urge you to watch it, because there's so much gay in it. And it's the same director, Jack Shoulder, as Nightmare on Elm Street 2. What is going on with this guy? That is true. Cr- you know, I well, I, I think we to- know actually.
0: <laughs> I have <laughs> to admit it, I have not seen two, three, or four. I picked up that great Testron like uh, series, that franchise box set with all four movies. I need to blaze through them, but you know, it's oh, curious. I'm so
1: jealous. I haven't that- seen three or four either.
0: I've heard that they're maybe no dog you know. Well
1: oh, of but- course they're terrible. How could they be good? We wouldn't know by now if they were even watchable. Where but that's actually come? how I watched number one, is I was trying to watch three and four and in canada there was just like no streaming option and i fair enough that's enough for the pleasantries Mm -hmm. i think we should jump into it um so before we get like too far ahead of ourselves with army of darkness we gotta go back 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 again to the origins of evil dead one and evil dead what what is your like what is your origins what is your like relationship with these movies
0: so i kind of watched the franchise backwards i uh i sort of came to evil dead one and two after army of darkness i adored the second film from the moment i saw it i I still do uh it
1: is
0: (laughs) i think it is to this day the only installment of the original trilogy that i've seen theatrically uh at a at a midnight screening about 20 years ago at the uh the historic kentucky theater in lexington and uh it was a great rowdy crowd it was great screening and uh I gotta say the first film took me a while to come around on. I, I I used to sort of only view it as a rough draft of part two, an army of darkness, that didn't quite get the humor of those films. And as I got older and revisited it more, I realized that it was never really attempting to be that humorous, you know? I
1: uh no nope, no nope, 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 nope. not a bit.
0: So uh once I sort of accepted it for what it is, I really appreciated its uh its low budget charms and its genuinely scary moments throughout. I think it's um uh, it's just amazing to watch that first film and see Campbell and Raimi sort of slowly finding their
1: creative voices. It was my first foray into the genre and I was like an itty bitty baby and it scared me for real. But yeah, I, I, I think the second one is sort of, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but it's sort of, it's like the thesis of this, of this franchise It like really gets it all wrapped up very tightly, like the tone and the jokes and all of it it's a perfect film it is a perfect film i showed my best friend who's not a horror person but like is interested in horror to some degree and she definitely preferred the first to the second wow the second is just it it can be difficult to get if you're just if you haven't spent a lot of time with horror i don't know the tone is is crazy it's hard to to grasp it is it is and you know i
0: I think it's all the more so kind of hard to grasp, especially for people who maybe aren't initiated with horror comedies that much, simply because it does such an amazing job of fusing the two together at once all the way throughout. You know, with most horror comedies, you, you have the horror, you know, for a moment, and then you have just stretches of comedy. It's kind of compartmentalized. And what I love about Evil that too, even though it's not a movie that I would necessarily call terrifying at length, um, it, it is a horror movie. It's absolutely a horror movie and it's absolutely a comedy. And those two things are often happening at once, you know, coinciding at the same time. And that's that's rare. And it's rare still that somebody can sort of nail it in the way that Raining Company does.
1: Nails it. It's so off-putting. Very, am I going to use this term right? Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Where like, this looks human, but it's not human and I need to be wary of it. <laughs> like the whole experience. Not like either. where he's watching her dance out of the cabin and you're like, I should be laughing, but I'm so uncomfortable. Claymation really fucks with me, I have to say. I remember when I was a little kid, me and my dad were watching some kind of like heavy metal music video marathon and too many of them were Claymation and I was like, no, this is so weird.
0: (laughs) I will take a good Claymation sequence over CG any day of the week. And I'm not a snob about CG if it's done well, but there is something about you know you just register it differently when you're watching it you yeah. can believe that it's happening you know i i would put um i would put ted ted ramey in uh you know transforming into the long neck ghoul near the end of evil Dead 2 against any cg creation as far as you know uh getting the back of the race of it. you know it's just a little it's and the that linda dance
1: is just tortured <laughs> constantly <laughs> in the series it's disgu- like no thank you it's like his life is like a covid test it just didn't look comfortable at any moment for me. no
0: poor happy. ted Raimi. He, he suffers for his art that's a fact or his brother's <laughs> yeah. art in this case you know.
1: yeah 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 there's such um we'll get into this later but there's such three stooges energy like that whole family awesome. um yeah and it, it didn't really hit <laughs> it didn't really hit me over the head until i mean this Rewatch of Army of Darkness, where literally every scene I was like, this is a reference to the Three Stooges. The cemetery sequence is just pure
0: Three Stooges, I think. I just, I love that so much. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. once you get to Army of Darkness, I think that's when it sort of lets go of the horror and lets go of that sort of natural eeriness, you know, that was sort of holding over from part one. You know, it's, it's a really great kind of arc that that original trilogy has, you know, from one to two, okay. Army of Darkness, where you start out with horror, then you go to horror comedy, and then by the time you reach Army of Darkness, we're in a complete farce, you know? Uh,
1: well, well that really leads me into, like, our Army of Darkness territory, and talking about the genre shakeup. I think I didn't say this yet, but um, growing up, Army of Darkness was always my least favorite of the three because I was always like, why isn't this horror? Like, this doesn't feel like horror to me in a traditional way. I don't like necessarily I didn't really get it when I was younger. And then I didn't have that attachment to it in the same way over the years, which made this viewing really interesting because it changed my mind. Like I was like, oh, no, I think this is horror. This is, like, medieval, like, Xena horror, but, it like, it's still pretty, like, it's scary sometimes. The, the evil Ash is scary to look at, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a creepy, um,
0: creepy image, definitely. You know, it goes back to, you know, again, kind of that eeriness that you have. You know, definitely, I, I don't know that I was ever, I never found the character completely frightening, and yet there are some close-ups on him where you look at him and you just kind of, you feel those wounds a little bit and you kind
1: of just, your yeah, skin falls a little bit at him. It's bad. It's like, okay, so his face got blasted off and now he's like, he's, he's holding it together with a rope and it's just, and it looks a little too real and then you see Bruce Campbell's eyes behind it and it's just like, oh, okay. Like, they're going for it. I, I like when you were talking about the progression between the films because I was thinking about that a lot watching it this time around where the scope just gets progressively bigger and bigger to the point where the next film was supposed to be like m- even more fantastical and more of like um, a- a visuals. And I kind of wish I could have seen them take it up a notch yet again, but you can see them do it sort of step by step with these three movies. Absolutely. You know, who knows how big the fourth film might've gotten, you know? And I, I really do wish that we could have seen that at
0: some point
1: me too me too i I mean i just i'm shocked we even have three film more four films in a tv series like that feels lucky to me at this point (laughs) considering what we're dealing with
0: i think i remember uh you know when it was announced that ash versus evil dead was finally cancelled you know after three seasons you know People were starting to, uh, you know, you could feel the near riot online. You know, I forget how many episodes we got per season. But in any case, yeah, I think it was 10 episodes per season, three seasons. So we got like 15 hours of <laughs> yeah. Evil Dead. When previously we'd only had like, what, four and a half, five, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Like that, you know? So.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I was grateful that we had three seasons. I remember having a sort of similar reaction when it got canceled. People were really mad and I was just like, how did that happen? How did we have three seasons of the show? Also, if you're that mad, where were you? Why weren't it's, you watching it? Absolutely. You know, I've
0: I've talked to people before who were like, Oh, I can't believe they canceled that. Can you believe I mean it's it's Ash, it's great. And then I start to talk about the ending, which I absolutely adore. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you. I'll hear Oh no, 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 wait, 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 I haven't seen the third season yet. And it's like you are part of the How problem. dare you?
1: Yeah, Bruce Campbell was was, was was like telling us, he was like, guys you gotta watch it, because we're in trouble. I do hate and to say that's... it,
0: but I kind of am okay with... If Bruce Campbell is telling the truth this time, and when has he ever in regards to this franchise? Never. <laughs> but if he's telling the truth about finally hanging it up as Ash, I do think that the final ten minutes of the third season of Ash vs. Evil Dead is the perfect note to go, on, to, to go out on with that <laughs> character. Now, that depends on what you... Find that ending to mean now. If people find it to be a cliffhanger, then I can understand why people would be upset and they would want to see more. I personally don't think those final moments are necessarily what they appear to be at first glance, and as a result, I think it's it gives that character sort of very definitive ending. Uh, but you don't mm-hmm. hear a lot of people talking about it simply because
1: nobody's watched the damn season. So <laughs> it's, it's mysterious, but I think it's a happy ending. Um, and yeah. Totally. And I sort of see it as like Laurie Strode's f- finale in H two O. It's like I could have left it there. I, I like our, our 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 hero overcoming the great evil at the end, even if there is a bit of a
0: you know, I guess I should say spoiler warning for anyone out there who hasn't yet seen it, and again, you're part of the problem.
1: Um but <laughs> yeah. but I will yeah. say I
0: I found, you know, at the The great arc with Ash in um, that series is that they really, not only did they bring over the character from the films, but they gave him an arc in that series where he was a man who was very, very selfish. You know, even at the end of the first season going into the second, this is a man who would sort of throw over humanity for his own happiness and to just not suffer anymore. By the time you get to the end of the final episode with him, he's a man who's finally willing to sacrifice himself to save his friends and to save all of humanity and it feels like this is what everything has been leading to it culminates in this big battle with the big bad as it were and then he at the end of that battle he is left in a situation that should have been kind of mortal uh to him it should have been utterly fatal what happens to him and then the next thing you see he wakes up and it's the future, and he has you know this really attractive woman on his arm, and he has a new hand, and he has a cool car, and he's gonna ride out into the world, and he's gonna fight evil forever because it's all about the continuing battle for him. And I think that that is Ash Williams's death dream.
1: Aww. I think. How I... dare you ruin <laughs> my
0: life? But that, but oh that provides God. that provides definitive closure for him because. He did what he set out to do. He sacrificed himself, you know, and it died a great person. And then on some level, he is happy. Not only is he happy, he's gleeful, you know? I think that's the perfect note to leave that guy.
1: on. Yeah, I mean, he, he deserves the best, you know? Yeah. He's our one, he's kind of one of our, well, her only dude hero, really, in canon. So we have to be precious with him. <laughs> and yeah, talking about this whole hero's journey with Ash as, like, an antihero is, you know, present the whole time. Um, he doesn't want to be doing any of this, but he has to do it. You have that in Army of Darkness. You have that with the TV show. And I think when you're getting to the heart of any epic story in fantasy or sci-fi or horror, like, it's always coming down to that. It's very Harry Potter. It's very the vi- Bible. It's
0: very true. And, you know, it's definitely encapsulated in Army of Darkness, I think, although he is a hero time and time again, you know, you have the refusal of the call and then eventually, you know, he, he'll become the hero that he was always meant to be. Certainly in Ash's case, he <laughs> refuses many, many
1: times. He continues to refuse. He will, you he know, just falls into the hole. <laughs> he doesn't have a, it's like, it's, it's not his choice. It's non-consensual. He is, <laughs> he is, he is a long suffering hero. That's a fact,
0: but it, you know, I really love it. <laughs> yeah. He, at the end of every story, you know, he he is a guy who kind of digs deep and finds the hero within, and I think that's why we like him because he always starts these stories out as the buffoon that we think ourselves to be, you know, like we we're all Ash, you know,
1: and yes, then or, or at least the, average horror fan,
0: yeah, 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 totally, and then you know by the end, Ash is always showing himself, but also the audience is the heroes that they can be, and I, and he's a blue collar horror hero and there aren't many of those and I think that's why we love him so much
1: I agree he is totally a blue Carl horror hero and he's our only final boy which I think gives him something to you know there's something about that too that makes him so special yeah um we talked about the three stooges. I want to talk a little bit about man versus self, but that's so like university essay that I'm bored with it. (laughs) Um, Scariest scene. Okay. So scariest scene in army of darkness, in my opinion is when his face gets all stretched out with the claymation. It's too gross, too strange. Do you have a, like a scariest moment in this movie? You know, I, I don't know that I find any
0: of the moments to be like super scary. I mean, there is that great, like wonderfully Gothic sort of moment where, uh, Ash buries bad Ash, and then he is resurrected, right? And, you know, the goofy sort of piecemeal way that he leaps from the grave in various pieces and then heals himself is a little silly. But everything leading up until that point and then after the big reveal, I think, is really kind of wonderful and a little, you know, maybe a little creepy. Um, Honestly, as funny as it is, I do love the sequence where he fights all of his tiny little selves, which is funny, you mentioned man versus self a moment ago i yep. i do think you know the more we get to know ash throughout the franchise and i think this is especially included in television series but i think we realize that ash is his own worst enemy you know forget the book forget the okay. dead eyes like it's ash versus ash and i love that in army of darkness Always. we finally see that play out physically yep. on screen it's
1: such a little like very way. literally yes yeah. <laughs> uh yes because yeah we have ash versus his hand And then we ash versus the tiny ashes. And then finally he splits into two and it's ash versus ash. So yeah, I don't know what, like there's, there's a few like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a dummy. So I don't know what I'm talking about right now, but there's like a few of those man versus archetypes in literature. So like man versus the wild man versus self. And then a third one. And I feel like Raimi was very sort of cognizant of these tropes going into these movies.
0: Oh, yeah, and constantly throwing his long-suffering hero headfirst into them. You know, it's it's perfect. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know that he's got some persistent back pain, poor guy. And so I'm grateful that we have Ash. <laughs>
0: well, it's For funny. You know, movie. we were talking about the uh, the progression. You were talking about the movies getting bigger and bigger. I think Campbell himself got bigger and bigger, too. You know, in the, in the first <laughs> yeah. film, he looks kind of like just a normal, you know, he's a handsome dude, but he looks like yeah, just a normal college kid. You know, you get to him in the second one, he looks a little more like mid-80s action hero. He's a little more cut, you know, he's a little more muscly. Uh You get to him in the third film, like, he's a bare-chested, swashbuckling, you know, know, ready
1: for sword and sandals, you know. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. He's He-Man, Master of the Universe. The poster is not animated, it's just a photo of him, so... (laughs) um no absolutely yeah you were talking about how you're maybe okay with ash you know retiring I-, I think i agree with with that because we've had such a good run with him and he's never been stale which is like almost shocking that we haven't yeah that he hasn't overstayed his his whatever yet and i think that like this is good timing also i love seeing like, um, new protagonists in this franchise. The the remake, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I love it, and I love Mia in it, and I think this franchise is just right for more female leads, and I think we're going to be getting one soon. I agree. I absolutely adore the
0: remake. Um, it's funny. I... You know, I honestly think it's one of the best made, like genuinely frightening, genuinely terrifying films of the century so far. It's crazy to me how good that film is. And it doesn't get nearly the the sort of appreciation that it should, I don't think. Especially... Oh, it's so scary. You know, given that it's apparently viewed as being in canon with the previous franchise too, what with the the bandied about crossover that they talked about for a while, I'm not sure it's (laughs) even... I'm not sure it's so much a remake anymore as, as a spinoff, but let's call it a remake for the purposes of saying
1: it's one of the best damn horror remakes ever. Oh, completely agree with you. It, they, they do their own original thing. They're not slaves to the humor or the camp of it. And yet it it's so effective and it's so scary and it's so disgusting. I saw it on my birthday one year and my best friend Jules... Is still traumatized. Sorry, Jules. Uh, 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 um I'm still traumatized. she she says she still thinks about that shower scene like once a week.
0: The oh god. Oh yeah. The, you know what got me? I used to take uh oh, bi-weekly no, they were I'm sorry, not bi-weekly, they were twice a week. Uh allergy shots when I was a kid. So anything with a needle, like we're talking the 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 needle pit in Saw 2, like I nearly collapsed yeah. in the theater. But um that moment, sorry. the stabbing of the hand in the Dead remake, forget Cutting one's tongue into, like, lengthwise. Forget the shower. Forget the red rain at the end and the chainsaw Damn. Forget all of that. That tiny damn needle punching into the hand over and over again.
1: Ooh. Yeah, that was for you. That was a little
0: <laughs> gift for you.
1: I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, that movie had a little something for all of us. And I'm so grateful that they did. And I, I kind of like how they played with um, an updated, never mind the cameo at the end but like they kind of played with a bit of an updated Ash with the brother character, how he like kind of had a similar features, similar outfit, but he didn't, he wasn't front and center. And I thought that was kind of like a fun take on Ash. Absolutely. Almost ready to start talking army of darkness two. But before we do, like, do you have any, like, I don't know, any final thoughts on your experience, your relationship with the original film Yeah, you know, I guess
0: just my first experience—it was kind of funny. I, um, (laughs) I had seen ads for Army of Darkness when it was hitting theaters uh, on the backs of it seemed every comic book that I read in the early '90s. And while I loved Darkman, you know, now I, I I had zero interest in checking out this movie. I had no clue who Bruce Campbell was. I had no clue about it being the third film in a franchise. I couldn't have cared less. Mm. Cut to years later, I'm in high school, I wake up early one Saturday morning, I get pumped with cappuccino and donuts, and I go get my brain fried, taking the ACT, and I come back home, my mind is just mush, and I slump down on the- I'm morning. sorry, what is ACT? Oh, that's a, uh, it's kind of like a qualifying exam to get into colleges and what.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm Canadian. No, you're good. You're good. It's it's uh, they're <laughs> okay. All, okay, okay. They're so awful. Okay, uh, I'm with you though. I, I I have I have like the image on my head. This is like mid '90s. Yeah, is this, this would have been.
0: Out? Um, yeah, well, it had come out in the early '90s. I had sort mm-hmm. of. I never watched it. Never had any interest. But after this horrible test sort of uh, had its way with me, I came home. I slumped down. I turned the television on to the Sci-Fi channel, and I'm watching this guy fight tiny versions of himself in this dark cabin and i just start cackling wildly at it all i watched it to the end not realizing what it was until the credits rolled and i immediately ran to my local mom and pop to rent the movie and watch it again and i just adored it uh even though i had to learn the hard way about the various cuts of the film by watching the vhs which was missing some of the crazier stuff i saw on the weirdly enough edited for television sci-fi version but uh you know, oh, being, no. uh, yeah, yeah. But, like they were missing some of the the tiny ash sequence, not all of it, but um some of the more three stooges stuff, like him slipping in the gruel and flipping and doing the handstand and then coming back down. Stuff like that they had trimmed, but I was like, that. wait, where was that? Come on, you know. Um mm-hmm. but um, you know, sort of being a burgeoning horror fan, surfing about uh, you know, in late nineties message boards, I eventually learned that Army of Darkness was the third film in the franchise. So I sought out the previous films to check out, and I will say Evil Dead 2 was not hard to find. Evil Dead was insanely hard to find. Like, no rental store really? had it, no shop sold it. It could not be ordered. You couldn't just watch a movie online back then. What, what year was this? This would have been around, I want to say, like 96, 97. It was just before Elite and Anchor Bay started pumping out all these great yeah. art titles in plastic uh-huh. clamshell VHS cases and eventually DVDs. Uh-huh. So, I was able to finally see that first film that way, you know, and that was, ah, that first VHS, that was probably the first of roughly 70 times I purchased that film on home video. There have been so many versions of all the Evil Dead movies, and I buy them all because I'm a sucker, but, you know, I can't help it.
1: I love that. Yeah, there are so many versions of this film, and even though, like, the longest one out there is, like, what, 90 minutes? There's still, like... Thirty different versions out there and i cannot promise you that i have seen every moment of it although i have tried i know for a fact and we'll get into it soon that i have seen the alternate ending um which i'm I'm a little bit obsessed with so i would say like it was about the mid to late 90s when i really started to discover horror and by then it was pretty accessible as you were saying all these vhs's like every every gas station had vhs's of horror um, so I it was all accessible to me by then. But that's funny that you had to go searching for the evil dead. I kinda like that. It kind of feels appropriate. Being a movie fairy an Necronomicon.
0: It, oh, totally, totally. Being a being a movie fan and especially being a horror fan back in the 90s growing up, um, you you really like, if you wanted to get into the more obscure stuff, and even by obscure, I'm talking about stuff that wouldn't even be considered obscure these days. Like Dario Argento and Lucio Fulci and Italian Jolly and like all those movies, Like those were very, very hard to come by the time. I couldn't find, if you can believe this, I had trouble finding a VHS copy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one back in the day like i had to go to my local mom and pop and have them order it through their distribution because my local camelot music was not able to order it and i couldn't find it at any of the neighboring video stores you would you would find a texas chainsaw 2 here and a Leatherface there but Uh yeah you you had to put in work as a movie fan back in the 90s now everything's you know and i'm sounding very old man you know get off my lawn but um you know, these days, kids, they mm-hmm. have everything mm-hmm. at their fingertips,
1: you know. But back yeah, it's in the on day... YouTube.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But back I in the know. day, you had to work for it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you wanted special features, like if you wanted a trailer, God help you. It's not going to happen. Uh, um, but it made it, it so much more special. It did. You know, I remember. And then DVDs but, came you know, out and we all died. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw that, the Alien, like, DVD menu. And I was like. Oh my god. It, like, really blew my mind. So, yeah. So, you know, you we didn't have it all, but I, I still like the journey that we had. It was more special. I agree. Um, But now that you can literally rent anything on YouTube, and I do. <laughs> in fact, I rented this on YouTube because it's, it's not it's not streaming anywhere in Canada, and I didn't want to take out my box of DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to start to dig into the lore surrounding Army of Darkness 2. Spoiler alert, there's not that much of it, although there's some. And so that's why we had to really pad this episode with um, the origins. And I think it was fun and I think everyone really appreciated it. And so now they're going to just be grateful for this Army of Darkness 2 report card that we're about to hand out. So um, I'm assuming, based on everything that you said, that you are obviously was always aware that there was rumors of a continuation to army of darkness oh
0: yeah absolutely as, <laughs> as a as a fan again who constantly haunted message boards and horror film news websites back in the day you couldn't go very long without bruce campbell giving an interview and saying that we'd be seeing evil dead 4 at some point or we would never see it we'd maybe see it it'll <laughs> definitely happen it's never <laughs> happening but you never know keep your fingers crossed what but a also, dick. I'm going to dash your hopes. It was always, you know, there is there is They're no doing that. better, no more marvelous troll of his own fans than Bruce Campbell.
1: Oh, I love it. I, I I absolutely agree. Which is why when they started talking about Evil Dead now or Evil Dead Rise, I was like, okay, sweetie, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but I, I, I am starting, I am starting to believe that it's a thing. So... Um, I want you to know that I've definitely seen the international ending, so just I guarantee you on that. But for our more casual horror fair out there, like my mom, um, can you explain to us what the original um, Army of Darkness ending looked like? Because then we're going to talk about how that kind of would have maybe stemmed into a, a sequel.
0: Okay, so if you watch the theatrical version of Army of Darkness... Um, Ash is obviously in medieval times. He is given a special potion by the wizard. He is meant to take just so many drops, one for, I believe, every century. Uh, he heads into a cave. He blasts it to wall himself in. He hops into uh, the car. He takes the drops, and he wakes up in the present day, and you have this wonderfully fun sequence in Esmart once he's returned and you know taken to telling Ted Raimi all about his time as a king. A very cute looking Ted Remy, by the way. But let's <laughs> yeah, very they're, they're all so young in that movie. It's crazy they're babies. They're but, uh, so young <laughs> In yeah. the original director's cut, there is this great moment with Ash in the cave. He takes, what was it like six drops, something like that? He's Yeah, maybe one or two too many. Yeah, he's counting the drops, and then something catches his attention. He thinks that something might be in the cave with him. He gets distracted, and then he turns back and he counts the last drop again continues finishes then you see this wonderful sort of like time dissolve you can tell the centuries are passing he's remaining the same age even though he's growing this marvelously ripped van winkle beard and long hair yeah and he eventually wakes up he breaks out of the cave he walks out and there's this look of horror that only bruce campbell can do and then there's this great reverse shot over his shoulder where you see this horribly Dystopian world sat before him where he has obviously slept too long. In fact, he cries that out, Oh God, I've slept too yeah. long. And you realize that he is now a man out of time again, only this time in the future.
1: It's so on brand for Ash. Like, this is exactly what should and would have happened to this poor dude. It's just like <laughs> a constant carousel of errors for this poor guy which I, I do love the uh, the studio-inflicted version because it's a fun ending and it gives us one of the most iconic last finale lines of all time. But this feels a little bit more appropriate to me because I don't think this guy deserves a... Not deserves. I don't think this guy realistically would ever get this clean-cut happy ending because it's just not in the cards for him.
0: No, he's meant to be a long-suffering hero. It's like the original ending of Dumb and Dumber. Uh, you know, you hear that... Uh, those guys were meant to get on the bus with all of the beautiful women and ride off into the sunset. And I think it was, <laughs> was it Jim Carrey who said, there is no way that those guys would get on that bus, you know? And I feel the same way about Bruce. Campbell uh, Ash. Like Ash, I love that he gets a happy ending at the end of army of darkness, but that's also not that guy, you know?
1: No, which is why your theory makes more and more sense because the only way he would get that happy ending is if he's dead. Yeah. Um, yeah i forget i'm jewish so i should remember this properly but we have the like the i'm not gonna say this right the schlamazel or the schlamils and this is what ash is just like the guy that's like constantly dropping his ice cream kind of (laughs) and it's sad but it's just kind of like and then we all know them too so poor ash um so yeah that and so that was going to lead this is like The most well-known iteration of what Army of Darkness 2 or Evil Dead 4 could have been was this dystopic futuristic sequel where Ash could have potentially been taking on um, hordes of dead in the future. I think he was going to be fighting uh, machines, sort of like a Sarah Connor type character. That could have been really, really fun. It's been suggested, as you sort of touched base on, that there was an Army of Darkness 2 potentially going to happen a sequel to the remake and then a possibly stitched together like crossover moment where Ash and Mia team up. I don't know in what world that ever could have happened if we would have had like a Marvel extended universe of the Evil Dead. Um we, we should though. Like we need we the We uh, deserve it.
0: We 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 need the uh, AODCU, you know? Um
1: yes.
0: I, think, I just think that would have been fantastic. I think I think seeing a much more grounded character like Mia, who's dealt with (laughs) tragedy and Mm -hmm. horror in a much more visceral way, playing against Ash's more super heroic buffoonery, I think it would have made, you know, for a tonal challenge, but if they could have nailed it, I think the result would have been magic.
1: Yeah, and Ash is such a dad, too, and we've played with that successfully in the franchise. You know, not only did his daughter successfully sort of come up in the third season of Ash versus the Evil Dead, I think it was season three, but he's like, sort of been the dad archetype to a number of, like, uh, women characters, so I kind of think it would have worked. I think it could have been like a really cute, Buffy Giles dynamic.
0: Oh, totally. Although it's
1: strange because Mia out of the two would have been the more mature one. Uh... Exactly! (laughs) (laughs) No, totally, and that's like the you know, that would have been a source of conflict for them, maybe, but I would um, so the director of the Evil Dead remake, I don't know, do you know how to pronounce his name? Because if you do, please Was it, um, do it. it Fede Alvarez? That's him. Um, also killed it. Good job. He is just dealing it in the world, too. His films are great. Um, someone tweeted at him a million years ago, around October 2013, saying, will you be directing An Army of Darkness 2? And he didn't say no, but then he just responded with, Sam Raimi will. So clearly there are like... You know these parties where these dudes are just getting together and like talking about potential sequels that could happen. Who's directing Evil Dead Rise?
0: Oh gosh, um,
1: I now, it do not know. hole it director... in the ground. Oh, he directed, a, he directed small... a hole in the ground. Okay, Lee Cronin. Lee Cronin. Yeah, I feel like um the Ghost House guys are really good at finding young talent that other people kind of like don't i don't know haven't noticed because i feel like this movie the hole in the ground which is a horror film from 2019 was kind of overlooked but was excellent totally very spooky very like outside of the box and um they sort of cherry picked him to to create the new evil dead movie so i think they have like a really good sense of how to get young talent involved with like fresh takes on the series i agree they're
0: great at you know i mean Freddy avarez he's gone on to have a great career and he started his career with evil dead based upon one short film that he had made they were able to look at that short and say this is our guy i remember watching it was available online i'm not sure if it still is but you can watch that short it's a great short but there is nothing about that that would tell me anyway that this is the guy to do evil dead and yet my god they, they they saw it because he knocked it out of the park.
1: Yes, yes, I saw it too, and I, I I agree. Like these are not movies that I would have been like, this is the guy for the job. But I think they have a really good eye for it. Like these are very seasoned Mr. Hollywood types. So I'm really excited to see what they're gonna do with it. I feel like it's gonna be low budge because I I I hear rumblings that it's sort of set in one location. Yeah. And I think that would be really cool. It's kind the of rumor of exciting. Is that, yeah. Are, are you aware of the, like, uh, the rumor of how it's, where it's going to take place?
0: Uh, it's a high rise building in an apartment, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Which is cool. And they're filming either now or very soon in Auckland, New Zealand, which is where I believe the show was shot and the remake was definitely shot there as well. And... I'm pretty sure it's like the only safe place in the world to be shooting right now. So yeah, exactly. With
0: New Zealand had uh, New Zealand had
1: competent leadership, so people can actually shoot. Yes, <laughs> the best. Um, I know. And they believe in the Filming it's drag good. race? It's crazy. There too. I know. Too bad it's literally seven years away on a plane. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: I wouldn't do it. I just don't think I would. If someone was like, "Do you want to go to New Zealand for free?" I'd be like, "No, it's too far." <laughs> I don't want to. Um, yeah, if you were like... How do you feel about like a 24-hour plane ride? Can you do it? Me? Um, if I had
0: to, and I definitely want to see more of the world that I have up until this point, but I will say <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in Florida now. Uh, I did kind of long-distance relationship for a while. I was flying up to Ohio. It was a 90-minute plane flight, and I just gotten used to uh you know i i got rid of my butterflies i i was okay with boarding a plane and flying everything was great and the last trip that i took up there um turbulence
1: so oh, it was uh, oh really
0: it was like a uh like a paper plane in a windstorm that's what it felt like stop so, it right
1: now so, i've never know, been I've, through that
0: i'm good you know i would love to travel to new zealand by ship um <laughs> So no, maybe carrier pigeon. I don't know. I trust them more than the metal contraptions that we get into to fly from place to place more, I think. And but uh,
1: Good. I had the world's worst phobia of flying for so long. I hadn't been on a plane in like 10 years and then I made a film and it went well. And then all of a sudden we had to travel for it and I was so scared and then we would like traveled to like five six places, and now I'm not scared at all. And then the world ended, so I like got over my phobia. It was very hero's <laughs> journey. And then literally like seventy five percent through our tour, we had to stop, and it was like, ironic. not but...
0: it's 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 tough to get over. I had just gotten to the point where I told myself, you know what, this is no different than traveling on a road. Sometimes you get like new paved highway, and it's smooth as can be, and sometimes you're traveling on a gravelly back road, and sometimes there are potholes. Just look at it that way. Mm -hmm. Potholes in the sky, right? And that's all well and good (laughs) until you start seeing, like, the wings leaping Mm -hmm. up and down, and it feels like you're dropping 10 feet at once and then raising back up in the air. Then you can't really talk yourself out of your nerves at that point.
1: There's a gremlin on the wing. There's an old Victorian lady on the other wing. It's not good. Something on the wing. Something. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly! Um, I have never been through severe turbulence, so I kind of feel like that would literally restart my whole journey, so I hope that doesn't happen for me anytime soon. Well, it ended mine, so... <laughs> <laughs> I bet it did. Um, uh, is that relationship still active and successful?
0: Uh, no, it's not. I'd like to oh, think oh, that, no. that last plane flight was the, uh, the harbinger of doom, so... Uh, oh, no! And, and... Well, you know... Oh, all things no. considered, I will say... Thank you, plane
1: flight. Um. <laughs> well, you know what? It's about the journey. It's not about anything else. I don't know. Breakups suck. I'm sorry. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, that's I'm good. better, if that makes sense. I mean, listen, there's nothing worse. Like, it's being single is so much better than being in a relationship that's not working. Okay. That's, that's, that's my wholesome advice. So you were saying you, you're a fan of the series. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I need to watch it again. I've seen it once all the way through. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting from an Evil Dead TV series, but I it, now that I'm sort of more familiar with Army of Darkness, I'm like, yeah, it does make us... It's, it's very progressive of Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, and then the show. It's like, these are three different entities, but they do make sense one to the next. Oh, absolutely.
0: And I do love that the series went... You know, obviously because of the rights issues with Universal, they couldn't directly reference Army of Darkness, but obviously mm-hmm. this is still
1: the did same. Did it change guy. by the end of the series? I don't know. Possibly. I it did, I, but I didn't get any info on it.
0: I do love, though, that it goes out of its way to marry the continuities of the first two movies. So it acknowledges, I, yes. obviously, the sisters from the first. It acknowledges the events from the second you know, in a wonderful way. And it's just, it kind of puts to bed that argument as to whether or not Evil Dead 2 is a sequel or a remake.
1: I agree. And ultimately, it doesn't matter because we have it and I'm grateful. So on the commentary track for... The first season of Ash versus the Evil Dead. Have you have you listened? Are you this much of a nerd? I have not listened to any of the commentaries. Too much. Listen, it's not two thousand and five. We're not listening to DVD commentaries anymore, so that's okay. We're not, but we should. We should be. I agree. I mean, listen, as a concept, it's genius. Like, I want to hear a director talk about his movie from beginning to end all the time. We should normalize this again. I think it's Sam Raimi did share a few of his discarded ideas for future Army of Darkness films on the commentary. So I'm just going to read us through it. Um, Here's a quote. So for one of these Army of Darkness sequels, or potentially Evil Dead 4, it's kind of hard to differentiate between the two, um, unquote. So the idea was Bruce is a documentary filmmaker, and I remember one of the ideas was him capturing his own journey through life. I remember we started to write one version of Evil Dead 4, and then someone else chimes in by saying, Bruce travels across the country to sell his documentary um, through, in his car to sort of explain the importance of the story he told. And I was like, okay, it kind of sounds interesting. Like, um, my name is Bruce. Have you ever seen that? I
0: was going to say, is when they say Bruce, are they meaning Ash, or do they mean Bruce
1: Campbell Bruce? I think they mean Ash. But you know how like they were going to call it Bruce Campbell versus the Evil Dead where it's sort of like hard to differentiate between the two yeah yeah entities yes. but it's hard to know um I think they were talking about Ash so it's sort of like a like a road trip so movie which makes sense film for filmmaker? sure I think, like, he made a documentary on his life. I don't know. This, out of all of the ideas that they talk about, is the one I understand the least. So yeah. I'm going to jump us to the next one, <laughs> which, um, simply Ash fighting a Terminator-style army of machines. Yes, please! I'm assuming that's, like, the continuation of the alternative ending Army of Darkness is just my assumption.
0: Yeah, that would have to be the case. But would they have any sort of relationship to the Deadites or the Necronomicon? That would be strange I... if it went yes. just hard side so fi could find. they not?
1: I think it's like, the, I'm assuming and hoping and just making this up, where it would be like Deadites of the Future, where it's like Deadites, but like make it make it Terminator, you know? Cyborg
0: Deadites? I would
1: be down for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's just like a zombie head, like on a big machine <laughs> ro- robot thing. Why not? Okay, that. and the last one, which is I think my favorite idea, was uh, they were playing with the idea of incorporating both of the Evil Dead endings. And there's the U.S. version, which sees Ash return to Michigan, and then the foreign version, which you see Ash go to the post-apocalyptic future. And Raimi wrote, "Um, we wrote Evil Dead 4 that followed both realities. We were going to be following both Bruce's, one in the future and simultaneously cross-cutting to the Bruce here in the present. But then they realized that didn't make any sense and they stopped writing it. But I kind of just, it's just so Evil Dead territory, in my opinion. It's they just so wacky. Should
0: have made that. Could you imagine sliding doors via Army of Darkness?
1: <laughs> sliding like, doors, yeah. Come yeah, on, yes. why not do that That's movie. what that is. And also, like, you have to be in on the joke to such a huge degree to get what's going on there, right? Like, I, I didn't know about the two versions of the ending for, like, a lot like there's just so many people that would not have understood it and i think that may have been the problem um with the marketing behind army of darkness where like they're assuming more people know what's going on with these movies than they really do and so they're not spelling it all out in a way that they kind of need to for the average joe and so it's just like fantasy like filmmaker fantasy filmmaking where like you're doing whatever you want to do and it doesn't really matter about the marketing angle but I, I i do love this concept it's so strange
0: yeah i do too that is the one they should have gone with i
1: still want to see that movie i want to see that movie too um and at the end very end of this which we're getting to i promise you and i because we're the professionals we're going to decide definitively if we're going to get an a, a army of darkness follow-up but we're almost there we're almost there okay to wrap up army of darkness 2 territory um do you know or have you read the comic books yes yeah so i am um i'm kind of a
0: well it depends you know i really dig the dynamite comics that i've read the earlier ones the ones that started around i want to say like 2003 the earlier ones weren't necessarily that great about capturing the voice of ash or even the films really but some of the later arcs are pretty fantastic there is a uh, run by steve niles the guy who did uh, 30 days of night that's fantastic uh there is a crossover with dark man that is so good it makes me sad that it's not a film uh (laughs) there is this uh there's this mad max-esque old man ash sort of tale called furious road that's worth checking out
1: i i've seen some art from that yeah (laughs) (laughs) there is even
0: a crossover with the marvel zombies which means that ash is a part of the Marvel multiverse, which I adore, Marvel, and, Marvel, um, Marvel. Finally. and oh, uh, there of course there are the uh, two series of Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, which started off as an adaptation of the unproduced sequel to Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, yes. Weird note. Apparently, there is some sort of dodgy rights issues with Army of Darkness and Universal in regards to those comic books, and somehow, some way, the original. Uh, team of you know uh, ramey and tappert and campbell they were kind of cut out of that deal and so they don't really see anything from any of those comics i was at a convention once uh, again i think in lexington kentucky maybe it was louisville and it was announced this was around the time that those comics had come out maybe two three years in it was announced to this massive line that bruce campbell would sign anything you wanted him to sign except for the dynamite comic books he refused to put pen to Mm. comic book in that case which i thought was kind of fascinating
1: that is fascinating because i don't see him as a petty guy but i do see him i don't know i see him as a very like he takes the stuff seriously so i i I bet it's a good reason yeah it's just my instinct of the good guys
0: well i could just see him Um, being like you know ash is me and ash is ramey and tappert ash is all of us and this yeah, is not don't fuck us over yeah this this has nothing to do with us therefore it's not ash therefore you really don't need my signature on it because it has nothing to do with me i kind of get that there is now i don't know if this is this would have to be licensed through ramey and tapert and Campbell, i would think because there's also a line of evil dead 2 comic books that start at the end of the movie and it kind of zigs where you expect it to zag and so it splits in a very i tell you what if you're going to read the comics i'm not going to spoil it for you But there's a very, very smart way that Evil Dead 2 in the comic books diverges from Army of Darkness. So it kind of does the sliding doors thing we talk about. Of course, it doesn't acknowledge anything in Army of Darkness is happening, but it continues on with the adventures of Ash beyond Evil Dead 2. And it's not Army of Darkness, and it does make sense. And they're a lot of fun, and they're well worth checking out if you can uh, can track them down.
1: Okay, well, I'm obsessed with that. I also think that's such a beautiful way to wrap up our Army of Darkness 2 segment. So thank you. And I think we're going to head to conclusions. Do we believe that we're ever going to see a continuation of Army of Darkness specifically? Now be careful because your final answer is the final answer and we're going to lock it in and that's just going to be canon. We
0: will, so, we'll, 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 we'll sort of have to yeah, send out a memo is, to uh, Mr. Yes. Ramey and...
1: no they're here actually they're like they're Ah, freaking out (laughs) they're they're really nervous so um but we trust us we have to make this decision so obviously we're gonna get new evil dead so that's that's not the question but army of darkness specifically like are we gonna get army of darkness 2 are we gonna get that follow-up to this movie
0: okay so is this what i want or what i think will happen
1: no no what you think will happen okay
0: so, will we ever see a continuation mm-hmm. to Army of Darkness? Even if it's- Honestly, no, I don't think so. I don't think we'll see Ash again. I think, you know, as you noted, I think the Evil Dead franchise will continue on with these sort of unconnected one offs, even though they may, you know, cross over with one another. Who knows? But I doubt mm-hmm. we'll see more Army of Darkness, even though we could, you know, looking at the comic books and the zaniness of the films. I think that Universal could sequelize that film by simply doing kind of a, a multiversal tale and acknowledging mm. that the you know in the comic books there are multiple realities it's very into the ash verse if that makes sense um, mm-hmm. I think if Universal were smart enough and they found a creative team smart enough to acknowledge that the ash that we would have to have in an army of darkness' sequel is not necessarily the only ash and certainly isn't Bruce Campbell. I think Media. that's the only way to do it, I think. You can't simply recast Bruce Campbell. You would piss off the entirety of the fan base you would need to be courting, but if you dealt with it honestly on kind of a story level, and in, maybe even invited on Ramey and Tapper and Campbell to produce so as not to insult the creators, then maybe we'd have something. I don't know. But honestly, my feeling is at this point, you know, Army of Darkness was not a massive hit for Universal back in the day um, you know and maybe they want to work with Randy down the road he's obviously off doing his own thing with the franchise and the character so I, I honestly don't see much in the way of a, a benefit for Universal to continue the franchise and as a result I don't think we'll ever see more Army of Darkness
1: well Bruce literally just walked out he's upset <laughs> um, but the, you know I'm going to have to talk to him later I think it's going to be okay but I agree I don't think we're going to get it in the same way that it's been talked about over the years or in any similar to what we've seen thus far. Although I think there's a chance we could see like, a, you know, like Mia in the medieval times or like get a different character thrown into medieval times, like maybe, but it doesn't seem likely.
0: Could you imagine kind of a riff on Army of Darkness with Mia,
1: but it's as deadly serious as her evil bed? see i would love to see that I, I i would absolutely love it yeah definitely or even just like a, a female character with a guy name send her into the past similar thing i mean yeah. to that yeah call a max i mean character could be called ash again you know yeah it could be i like that well you know you never know even though we do know because we've made the decision and it's definitive I'm sorry, guys. Um, I thank you for your bravery. I know we're not here to make friends. This isn't RuPaul's best friend race. (laughs) But I think that we made the right choice. And I think it was a responsible, I think, outcome. I think so. so. I I think so. Yeah. Jason, I want to thank you so, so, so much for coming on my podcast. This was so much fun to talk about. Yeah, was, I, the most fun topic of all time, probably. <laughs>
0: thank you so much for having me on. This was an absolute blast. And I uh, I will never miss an opportunity to talk about really anything. But uh, yeah, it was definitely <laughs> a blast chatting with you and certainly about uh horror that never was. You know, it's, it's obviously a passion mm-hmm. for us both. And uh, it was definitely great chatting with you about it. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: You can also follow us online on basically any social media platform and you should like and comment and just engage with us because we are bored uh so that's it for this week thank you for tuning in don't forget to subscribe rate and write a review because it really helps us get seen in this vast endless hell of horror movie podcasts see ya